You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Better not call me pink skin. Alan Seiler. (laughs) Major, would this be more aesthetically pleasing if it were blue? And Veronica Daschel. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) He probably said that at some point. I'm sure he did. And if you're... If you haven't caught on yet to what we're doing, we're we're talking tonight about Jeffrey Combs. But first, uh, Keith, do we have some This Week in Trek this week? Yeah, I got a couple, just a couple of things that are not momentous, but they're actually very important in Trek history and for setting certain types of standards. Let's get the best of them out of the way first. On the 4th of February, 1998, a little ep- the little episode was finished filming that had been full of controversy behind the scenes. That episode was the Deep Space Nine episode in the pale moonlight. Ooh. And as Marvel Comics says, enough said. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's famous for. Yeah, it's just okay. (laughs) Famous for being one. One of these days I want to do a a thing of what would Gene not do? This is an episode Gene Roddenberry would have despised. (laughs) No spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. No spoilers for those who haven't seen it. It's a great episode. It's great acting. Um, it's got, and if anybody watching this show hasn't seen it, what the hell are you waiting for? It's been 30 years. Absolutely. (laughs) And it's also famous for one of the most famous memes in Trek history. The famous, it's a fake, which is fun. (laughs) My God. Right. (laughs) Rhyme anything with that rake, snake, break. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that, that people use that meme a lot. Um, they do, especially with, um, news stories that are not sourced as well as they should, or, (laughs) Clickbait. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a solid. It's, it's always a winner. Absolutely. Great episode. Uh, and then jump forth the 7th of February and 1994, just four years before, a little TNG episode about a bunch of new young people on the Enterprise who watched the actions and exploits of the, of the senior officers from the vantage point of the Lower Decks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Really good episode. It has one of, I'm going to have to, I'm going to say real quick spoiler. So if you haven't watched the episode for some reason, just don't listen for about five seconds. Has one of the saddest endings in any track show is at the end when Picard does the, the cool announcement with the, is it Bolson's whistle and announces that they think Sito died on her mission. Mm. That's that to me, that really ties that whole episode together. Right. Unfortunately, I don't think we saw any of those those people later. Have we anywhere? Nope. Not later. We saw Cedo earlier, just recently yeah. in Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I mean, I've got to imagine it's got to be on Mike McMahon's list to go through yeah. some more of those characters and see where they're at now. Yeah, especially that dude who was basically a Riker clone, the one that pissed Riker off because Riker right. felt he was he was brown nosing him, and Dan is like, he's just like you at that age, just like you can't stand him. <laughs> That guy was great. And then the last one I just thought was kind of cool. This hails back to the original series on the 9th of February, 1967. It's one of my favorite episodes is the return of the Archons. Mm. 
Uh, that is the one for those who might remember. This is the thing of festival. Uh, excuse me, no. <clears throat> festival, festival, festival. It's the, <laughs> it's the crazy one where the planet decides to keep humans sane. It controls people, makes them like zombies. And then every now and then, we don't know how much they go purge like. Well, the yeah. clock strikes, and boy, oh boy. Right. Everything goes on. Did you know that Ben Stiller's co- production company is called Red Hour? No. Yeah. <laughs> That's really That's awesome. cool. I know yeah. he's an amazing fan. Um, yeah. It's a it's a great episode. It's it's also classic Trek because it is yet one of the uh, many where Kirk basically freaks a computer out and out thinks it. And the computer mm-hmm. like, help. And the computer literally blows up because Kirk out logiced it. Right. Um, I saw a theme on Facebook recently where someone says, has anybody taken all of William Shatner's lines from the original series and fed it to chat GPT? To see. <laughs> <laughs> <It explodes. laughs> yeah. Uh, it's also an interesting because it sometimes invites some conversations about you have an entire planet that's been ruled by a computer for centuries. And Kirk leaves behind like one cultural expert. And the, when he's leaving, the dude's like, yeah, man, we've already had some fist fights. It's human. This is great. And then Kirk leaves. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine if a, an alien spaceship came by, encountered yeah. Earth, and then dropped yeah. the dude off at the end and is like, all right, sort Earth out while we're gone. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> He'd probably have no choice but Might to take work. over. Right. <laughs> be good. All right. And that is This Week in Trek History. Awesome. All right. Well, so we had a voicemail from regular listener Matt Sweatman uh, not too long ago. Now, the week we we played the voicemail, we had a guest on, so we didn't get to delve into the topic. But I wanted to play his voicemail again because we're going to do that topic this week. Here we go. Uh, A couple of show ideas I thought I'd pass along. Uh, One, I had an idea that uh, I don't think you covered some of the fan films out there. Maybe some recommendations on which ones are good, some particular episodes, highlights, and their effects on fandom and canon. And also, since you've done Kai Wen, since you've done um, Gold Dukat, I think an episode on Wei Yun would be uh, kind of cool, kind of the, the three big baddies from uh, DS9. So, yeah, uh, those are just a couple ideas, and uh, they're here for you guys. And uh, I'll bring, if I have any more ideas, I'll call back. Bye. Bye. <laughs> he never called back, so I guess he had hey, no other ideas. <laughs> Matt Sweatman here. A uh, couple of show. It starts playing again by itself, apparently. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, the week that we played that originally, we had fan film producer Randy Landers on, and we talked that entire episode pretty much about fan mm-hmm. films. But we wanted to circle around and talk about not just Wei Yoon. We're going to do one better and just talk about Jeffrey Combs and his yes. contributions to Star Trek. Now, if you would like to have your voicemail, played on Earth Station Trek. If you have a show idea or a comment about something we've discussed, give us a call. You can get us at 307-387-1701. That's 307-387-1701. Nobody's going to answer, I promise. But uh, you get a cute little (laughs) from Veronica, and then you get to leave your message, and we'll play it on the show. So yeah, tonight's going to be our celebration of Jeffrey Combs and the many characters he has played on Star Trek. Who wants to kick that off? (laughs) Let me ask a question. The most amazing character actor. (laughs) Yes. Isn't he great? What was y'all's first exposure to Jeffrey Combs? Was it Star Trek or was it the uh, the other famous property? 
I don't know if I, I mean, I'm sure I'd seen reanimator. I don't know mm-hmm. that I knew Jeffrey Combs from that because mm-hmm. he started being, when he was started playing on star Trek, I was probably like 14. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, star Trek was the thing that I knew him as Jeffrey Combs from, right. um, but I'm sure I had seen reanimator at that point, whether I knew it was him or not. It was just star Trek. I, <laughs> yeah. I think it probably was seen reanimator once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It was reanimator for, well, you know, I think it was reanimated where I really paid attention to him. But Jeffrey Combs hails from the days where actors were pretty much always guest starring on some kind of television show. Oh, yeah. And so I've seen him a billion times, but never really paid attention, just like Mark Alamo. If you know how many movies I've seen or series I've seen Mark Alamo in where he's based like the bad guy of the week on some cop show. And then he shows up. So I first really paid attention to Jeffrey Combs with reanimated, which I thought was really one of the weirdest movies I'd ever seen. It was it was just, it was it was just different. And then he shows up on I, yeah, Deep Space Nine and Man Oh Man, what a character. He also kind of set the mold for the Vorta because he was maybe the what he was maybe the second or third Vorta we had seen. I think he was they the second. To, yeah, there was, yeah, he's the second. There was first was a female. Mm-hmm. She was the one who strangely had telekinetic powers, which they never revisited. And then, yeah, I think there was Wei Yoon. And please, spoilers, folks, with Deep Space Nine, as we all know, Wei Yoon, his first introduction, didn't make it in that episode, which was awesome. And like Doctor Who, that made them come up with a really cool thing to bring him back. Yeah, I mean, they, they I think they noticed that they had something special with Jeffrey Combs as Wei Yoon. And they, yeah, they had oh, yeah. written that character to be a recurring character, obviously, because he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is science fiction. We will figure something out, you know, and, and of course they did. But I mean, right. you know, the, the roles that he had played played previously, um, I mean, a lot of characters had, I mean, a lot of actors had played more than one character under makeup on Star Trek. Right. You know, but I think it was really Wei Yoon that put him on the map for as far as Trekkies are concerned. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he really popped in that role. Um, and for one, you can see his face and he can deliver more of a mm-hmm. performance that way. But mm-hmm. I mean, there's plenty of actors who have played a Ferengi or somebody else under makeup and played multiple characters. Maybe you know who they are. Maybe they, maybe you don't. But I think it was really Wei Yoon that cemented him in the fandom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Let me just get a couple of really quick comments. Awesome. Because we have some people who were watching and all chimed in to say hello. And Wayne chimed in to say Oopsie for <laughs> What's up, Wayne? We're going to have to get you a plushie. Let's see. Elaine says, Shran is my first. Ah, first that was the next. Because mm-hmm, they haven't watched DS9 yet. So she hasn't seen, mm-hmm. I don't think she's really seen any of DS9, but they've watched all of Enterprise by this point. Okay. okay. Wayne yeah. says, my first exposure to Combs would be reanimated. <laughs> like with Keith... <laughs> He weirded me out. And He's then so he good at doing also, that. He yes. also says, I also enjoyed his voice acting on Transformers. Wow, okay. there's a deep cut. You're right. He was in Transformers. That's great. Wow. If Wayne, you can't tell us who he played in Transformers. Think about it. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, Jeffrey Combs' first appearance on the show was in the episode Meridian is Tyrone or Tyron. And yep. I mean, he's pretty much an alien of the week. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like a lot of aliens. And he does fine. Right. But I don't think that's an overly memorable character. No, I mean, they weren't really on the screen for that long. Right. What did you guys think of Tyrone? I forgot he was character until you told me. Right. (laughs) 
I yeah. mean, I'm I'm looking at his picture right now. I'm like, yeah, that looks kind of familiar. And I do <laughs> kind of remember him being this weird alien that wasn't Brunt or Wayun at one point before that. But I have no memory of this character at all. That's what yeah. I feel like he Shocking. was like creeping on Kira or something like that. <laughs> That's a lot of the alien guests. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't he yeah. the one that was like paying Quark to make a program of Kira? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Okay. Hey, look at me remembering Trek. I know. Stuff. Wow, get it. Yeah, and I think that's it, a creepy one. If Jeffrey Combs had never come back, I think that would just be a an alien that was on Star Trek one time. Yeah. You know, yes. the fact that Jeffrey Combs came back and was able to submit his role, I think, sort of elevates that character because now you you look back at it and it's like, hey, it's Jeffrey Combs, you know? Yeah. Right. It's part of the Jeffrey Combs averse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. Amanda Whitcomb. Hey, Amanda. Hey. Oh. Chimes in to say, say that Brunt FCA was her first encounter with Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> Very cool. Awesome. Hello, Amanda. His second appearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was his next role in DS9. Yeah. yeah. I think he was really good as Brunt. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was nice to have sort of. For, for, for Quark to have sort of this Ferengi antagonist yeah. who didn't yeah. like him and who's working against him. I, I love when they bring the Ferengi stuff in. And I think that he played this, you know, Quark, I mean, he's likable, but he's slimy. Yeah. Right. And then, but totally. Brunt just cranks the slimy factor up. To <laughs> <life>. Yes. <laughs> Brunt cranks yeah. the slimy factor up and Wayun crapes the creepy factor. Right. Up. Brunt makes Quark look nice. <laughs> and, and Amanda got it right because he always announced himself just like that. Yeah. Brunt FCA. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. What's well, really is later on when Brunt and Wayun appear in the same episode. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I mean, that. you have to do that, and that was like season seven, right? They didn't do it until the like up to the very right. end, mm-hmm. and the whole time you're like, well, they've got to do something where he shows up more than one time in an episode, and they finally did it. Yeah, but I, I don't think his characters like ran that. into each other at all that day. Uh-uh. No, I would like to have seen a, a Brunt and Wayne team up episode. That would have been <laughs> wow, peak Jeffrey Combs. Wow. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> One of the things about Jeffrey Combs is, as Wayun is, it's, you know, you talk about the antagonist, the bad guys, and on the surface, in some ways, he's almost playing like a Bond villain because he's too cool and smooth for school, but good acting and good writing, he transforms it. He never comes off like a cliche, even though, you know, he is that villain. He's just so cool. And he would just say stuff to people like, Again, spoilers to Deep Space Nine. He would just say things like, um, we need to eliminate the population of Earth. And he says it just <laughs> like that. And he's just so cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's like, just, um, yeah, we need to do this thing that <laughs> yes. anyone else would say in a creepy voice. But no, I'm just saying it conversationally. <laughs> yeah. And, and it takes fantastic acting to literally not move, change your voice tone, your the level of your voice much, but to turn to a founder and be obsequious when he would go, Founder, and he would just bend over, and then he'd turn right around, and he would say something to Damar, such as "Do what you're told." You serve the founders, and it's just just incredible. I, and I, and what also makes a good actor is you can tell when a good actor makes the other actors around them better. Mm-hmm. Every scene that man played with, whether it was Avery Brooks or Renea Bergeois or um, Nana Visitor, the scenes are elevated with him in it. Just right. every single scene. Mm-hmm. Well, I think particularly the scenes that he had with Nana visitor. Yeah. Because, you know, when they're in that, especially in season six, when they're in that occupation, 
mm-hmm. know, and they have ownership of the station for that little bit of time. And she is basically reporting to him and they're doing mm-hmm. the staff meetings together yes. and everything. And they have uh, those few little run-ins particularly, you know, and I just think, I just think, well, she's a phenomenal actor anyway, but there was something really, really cool about the way that those two characters related to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's one of the great things about a show like Star Trek that, I mean, a, a lot of shows, I mean, there's plenty of shows where you have guest stars who return, you know, a right. Bonanza would do that where a, an actor might oh, be yeah. on Bonanza four times or Twilight right. Zone every season, you know, if right. you're, um, Burgess Meredith or somebody, but <laughs> yes, with Star Trek, you have the advantage of having heavy prosthetic roles. And yeah. so you can sort of bury yourself in these characters. So I think, you know, an, a casual viewer might watch it and not realize that Tron and Brunt and way are the same guy playing these parts, yes. you know? And I, and I think that Jeffrey Combs is an actor who can, he can play it just straight, just as an actor on the screen, but he can play it through the prosthetics as well. And that's not always an easy thing to do. Not everyone can do it. Yeah, that's true. That's very yeah, true. Charles, you, you, what you say, I agree with, because when I first saw Brunt, I didn't know it was Jeffrey Combs. It was one of mm-hmm. those I just I didn't catch the the title. I didn't right. catch those appearance. So and so as I didn't know it was him for probably until the second or third appearance until I read it somewhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> but of course, you know, we have to remember that he did get one role not in heavy makeup mm-hmm. and that was in um, Far Beyond the Stars. You know, which yeah. all the main cast got alternate roles and all the people who were in prosthetics got roles that weren't under heavy makeup. Right. Um, but it's such a cool thing to get to see the actor work in a different way through mm-hmm. a different character. And especially the ones that are are very obscured get to see them work and mm-hmm. not have to like work through the makeup. And he played one of the human gangsters in far beyond the stars and it's just fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that one you get him just, you get to see him just playing this like racist human cop, yeah. Um, yeah. you know? And I mean, he could have been on any TV show doing that. Yeah. It have been the untouchables or whatever playing that character. But I mean, he, he, he does it really well. And I mean, I, I would think that it, I've, I've never acted through prosthetics or anything like that, but I would imagine it's a different discipline when you don't have the teeth and the, and the, the things on your face, like where you have to emote heavier, you know, to, to play it more subtle because you're just a human. I think it's, it's there's a real skill set there and being able to turn that on and turn mm-hmm. it on. Again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just like Agreed. the difference between acting for the stage and acting for the camera. You got to pull it back for the camera mm-hmm. and then you have to push it out even more with prosthetics. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's but the same difference as, yeah, it's the same difference as acting as a human on stage or, with a puppet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just wanted to throw it in there. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Yeah, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> oh my Je- gosh. Jeffrey Combs has, and these each one of these is can individual. Jeffrey Combs currently has 147 IMDB appearances listed. Mm. Which that's is, surprising. Yeah, which is amazing. And again, that doesn't count individual. That's like Deep Space Nine is counted as one. <laughs> Enterprise is counted as one. So that man is always working. I looked him up a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about some other things. And even the reanimators, that's not the only kind of horror stuff he's done. He's done all kinds of movies that you probably oh, yeah. wouldn't notice. He's oh, yeah. just been working a lot because he has well, that voice. Wayne mentions one of them. He was like, the freaky guy <laughs> who gets his head blown off in the Frighteners. 
That's right. I remember <laughs> that one very well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't watch horror movies, right? so I will never come across those. No, the Frighteners you would like. That's not yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah you just said his fun. head got cut off. It's Michael J. Fox. <laughs> no, it got film. blown off, not cut off. Less yeah. violent, I think. Yeah, no, that's not a horror movie. It's like a fun, you know, haunted mansion kind of a thing. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I like where Wayne says he's not good with names, but Wayne, I think the guy who got his head blown off, that's good. That's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's just Jeffrey Combs. You know, you can yeah. say he's Jeffrey, he's Jeffrey Combs, and you know who you're talking about. But it, it's pretty amazing, too, that, I mean, someone who is – he's never had a lead role on star Trek. He's always been a guest. Star. Yeah. yeah. And he's not a guy who really has a lot of lead roles. I mean, he may be a reanimator, but yeah. most of the time he's just appearing as a guy in a movie or a guest star on a TV show. And that he sort of as there's like memes about Jeffrey Combs. Now I just saw one the other day where mm -hmm. it was photoshopping Jeffrey Combs face onto everybody from enterprise. <laughs> and it was Jeffrey Combs playing everybody on enterprise for no reason other than that. People think it's funny that Jeffrey Combs plays so many characters, Yeah, but yeah. he sort of has, his own little section of fame now just because mm -hmm. he's a really good guest actor. Yeah. 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 Let's see. So on, let's see, Brunt appeared seven times on deep space nine. Wow. Wayun, you know, there are a, a few different Wayuns, and between them, there's about 20 appearances. Mm. Does that so, include the holograms and illusions? Or just I don't know. I'm just looking at the list. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Didn't know there was going to be a test. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, come on. <laughs> and then there's one other role that we haven't talked about yet, which mm -hmm. I know we're going to get to. That had ten appearances. Go right ahead. So that being that being Shran. Yeah. There's only which ten. Which is my. I know that's what that's why I wanted to bring this up because Shran seems like he has a much bigger presence in Enterprise than he actually does yeah, because he does. he's like exactly he's one of those characters that is so integral to that show that you you I mean he did like two and sometimes three appearances per season that's mm -hmm. it and you think that he's there so much more than that and that's what's so impressive about uh, Jeffrey Combs's talent, you know, that he gets this. And I, I really think this is his best character. I mean, mm. Wayun is great. I think Wayun is really great. He's a, he's a very layered character. Jeffrey brings so much stuff to it. Like Keith was saying, when he, you know, um, acts differently toward the founders as he does to people he sees as equals or subordinates and the way that he treats Kira is different than the way he treats somebody else. And I think that's so fascinating. But Shran, what a great character. And yeah. I think that he has obviously a much bigger presence on Enterprise than just the 10 episodes that he appeared in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, there's, there's only like something like 90 episodes of Enterprise. So, I mean, that's on exactly. average he's appearing like every ninth episode, you know? So, that's that's right. still a, a quite a bit of a footprint on a show. But, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not an Enterprise guy. You guys, you guys know that. I'm, Enterprise is my <laughs> least favorite Star Trek to this day. But And we love I, you anyway. <laughs> but I really like the Andorians, and I really like yeah. Tran, because yeah. I think that part of the show was really well done. And, yes. I mean, it was it was refreshing in season one of Enterprise because they were sort of, 
they were not leaning into the prequel element of Star Trek in the way that some people, myself included, thought that they should have been. So the fact that, they, <laughs> that the Andorians showed up in such as such a big presence after not having been on Star Trek really since yeah. the original yeah. series was since a big the original deal. Series. And yeah. the fact that it was Jeffrey Combs and he played the part so well, I think that was great. And I thought that was a really good. Um, they always reimagine the, the makeup on these races on Star Trek, but mm-hmm. the way they did the, the Andorians, I thought was very effective with the moving antennae. And it, yes. I thought that was really good. They even, they don't even do that on the new shows. No. They're sort of touting. No, their, they got away from that. And I yeah. remember hearing one of the, one of the prosthetics people on, on discovery, I believe it was who said, yeah, you know, we, 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 we tried it and we just thought, you know, that never looked good. It always looked silly. And I'm like, are you kidding me? No. It was oh, so I didn't think it silly great. At all. Not no, at I didn't all. Think it was silly at all. Because it seemed yeah, like it was um like unconscious. Yeah. Like he'd be surprised and they'd go back, or he'd be angry and they'd go forward. Like it they, they didn't make the antennae weren't the way he was expressing himself, but it, it did sort of reflect the way that character was acting. I thought they did a really good job with that. And I mean that's yeah. I mean, especially like 2001 to 2005 technology. I mean, there's got to yeah. be motors in those things that are like buzzing on his head and stuff like that. There's got to be a continual <laughs> distraction when you're playing the character that these things are on yeah. your head the whole time. I remember he I'm, talked about that on the Shuttle Pod show, I think. Okay. Because um, yeah. when you did that, I remember I, I have this image of Jeffrey Combs doing exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's not bad enough that they're cu- painting you blue and putting prosthetics and gluing them to your face for the entire yeah. day, but now you've got like servos <laughs> on your head, moving things around. <laughs> exactly. Okay, let me get three comments. Okay. Amanda Whitcomb says that he was great in the 4400. Mm-hmm. Oh. Which I watched some of. I never watched all of, so I probably yeah. never okay. saw his episodes. I like that. A Some unnamed Facebook user says, evening all, love following your takes on all things Trek. Yay! Thank you so much for saying that. Thank you for yeah. chiming in. That's really awesome to hear. We we love that you love following our takes on all things Trek. <laughs> and we hope we never disappoint you. <laughs> we will. Um, Wayne now says, during 9-11, there was another Jeffrey Combs who died in one of the planes that crashed into the World Trade Tower. I thought that we had lost one of the greatest uh, character actors in the business. Wow. I remember that. Yeah, I, I was on that too. Yeah, I was on Trek BBS at that time, and that was a big mm-hmm. topic of discussion when you know the, the casualty list came out, and people were not and we're not happy it's a different Jeffrey Combs, but just the right. fact that there's a connection for right. people. And is that Jeffrey Combs? Is Jeffrey Combs dead? You know, I mean, uh, I hate it for other Jeffrey Combs and his family, and yeah, you know, and all yes. that. Um, but yeah, that I remember that was a that was a big deal. And Elaine says his antenna were like an extension of his eyebrows. They were very effective. I agree. I love yeah. the way that they reflect his mood. Like like when he gets angry and they sort of lie lie flat back, he just looks angrier. It, they <laughs> right. just I mean I thought they did such a wonderful job with those. I you kind of that... forget about it after a while when you're watching the show. You know, it sort of just it just becomes yeah. part of what his character like you don't think so much about what his fingers are doing, for instance. You know, it just you just get used to it. Exactly. And that's, I think that's a testament to its effectiveness. I remember Mm -hmm. in the first episode that the Andorians appeared in and, and his antennae moved and I was like, oh my God, that is the coolest thing. (laughs) And then, but but as you say, the more that they did it, the more you just, you know, came to expect it. It was just Mm -hmm. part of his expression. And you'd be very confused if it wasn't moving. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. When you're watching Discovery. 
<laughs> yeah. Actually, it's funny you said that, Veronica, because I was actually going to say that very thing is paradoxically, when they don't move, they stand out more than when they do mm-hmm. move. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because you notice they're just kind of sitting there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Or like in the original series, they kind of wobble back and forth when they talk. <laughs> <laughs> At least they moved. Right. right. Yeah. Because that was their something like that, that. It, that thing with and length, it would move. It would wobble around. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it just makes it seem more like part of a living organism yeah. that it's not just a static thing that's glued to the head. Like it's a part of him. And even they sort of like integrated into the way the ridges on his on his brow. Mm-hmm. So it made, just made mm-hmm. it seem like it was part of his head. Yeah. Yes. 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 I think Discovery is missing the boat by skipping out on that part of the Andorians. I think that's a, that's a, yeah. a it was a really effective addition to the Andorians. That the, and if Enterprise yeah. can do it 24 years ago, then surely Discovery should be able to pull it off now. Maybe they Correct. should spend less on costumes and more on Endorian and Tenai. Now they could CGI it if they wanted to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, don't don't do that. I'm don't ever do they that. Should I'm just saying that they could. Right. Oh, that was great. They not. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's take a quick break and catch a commercial or two, and then when we come back, we'll continue talking about <laughs> Jeffrey Combs and his antennae. Stay right there. <laughs> Oh, that sounds so lurid. (laughs) What if you could bring three experienced producers into your home each week to discuss your favorite movies and the people that made them? That's Tales from Hollywoodland. Your hosts, Arthur, Julian, and Steve, collectively have years of showbiz producing experience. Their weekly show is a fast-paced, fun, and very conversational experience, like spending a good time with your best movie-loving friends and family. Tales from Hollywoodland is available wherever fine podcasts are found. See you at the movies. And we're back. And speaking of Jeffrey Combs' antennae, um, I mean, the time that he got one cut off, it really yes. did feel impactful because you become so accustomed to them. I mean, you really do feel like someone had lost an appendage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about that. And when we talk about, you know, we had Noah Overbot Cat on the show a, a couple of times and his character, Ren, had both of his antennae lopped off. Right. And he wasn't really around long enough to for that to have the same impact, but just the fact that they didn't move the way that the ones did on enterprise, it just felt like a different prop on his mm-hmm. head. Whereas right. in enterprise that felt like an appendage was lost. You, I mean, mm-hmm. because you're used to seeing life, you're used to mm-hmm. seeing movement and when it's not there, it's so noticeable and it comes across as being an actual injury. Yeah. 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 Luckily, I think they said that they grow back, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I heard an interview with Jeffrey Combs one time when he, I mean, he was really actually hurt that he wasn't offered a role on Enterprise as a lead character. And he felt like he should, not to take anything away from John Billingsley, but he felt like he had done the work as far as making guest appearances and recurring roles. And he, and he had auditioned for Enterprise, I think for Mm Flocks. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think he was genuinely sort of hurt that he wasn't offered that role. Yeah. Yeah, you know the um, the um, idea, which I personally am glad they did not pursue, 
Mm-hmm. The idea was for Shran, who, again, spoilers for those who haven't seen Enterprise, Shran lost his ship. And that's kind of a big deal for Andorians because they are kind of a militaristic species. And the original idea ultimately was they were thinking of putting Shran on Enterprise. And right. he was going to become effectively the first officer and he would have appeared every week. I personally would not have liked that. <gasps> it's, it's, well, here's the thing. I love the character, but... To me, it's a little too gimmicky to have him from the race become part of the Enterprise crew. I would love to have seen him continue as commander of another ship in the Andorian military forces. Putting him on the ship for me is a little gimmicky. That's me personally. So I would like to have seen him continue, but I would I would want to have seen him continue to be a commander on his own ship. I'm mm-hmm. actually glad they they did not go that route. Yeah, it might have been gimmicky, but I think mm-hmm. that Jeffrey Combs would have raised the caliber of that cast for me <laughs> dramatically. Oh, gosh, all right. Your least favorite show. <laughs> the average would have risen dramatically. But I think the problem you would have been. You may have watched it. Yeah, you would have to. Oh, I mean, as much as I like Scott Bakula as Sam Beckett, I think uh-huh. that he would have been sort of overshadowing Scott Bakula as Jonathan Archer. <laughs> because I don't think yes. that's I don't think that's Scott Bakula's strongest role, but I think Jeffrey Combs is such a dynamic role. I mean, it, 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 Jeffrey Combs as Shran is such a dynamic role. I think that you you would have to worry about that because I mean <laughs> I'm not trying to talk about enterprise but it's everyone cool. is everyone cool. there is sort of bland you know there's a lot of, the, the, the characters aren't as there's no Kira there's no Quark you know what I mean mm-hmm. where I I think that Jeffrey Combs really would have mm-hmm. sucked the attention on that show yes this is funny because mm. I, com- I I completely feel opposite about the show than you do and it's just interesting right. the two people see the same thing because yeah. I love the enterprise cast but I do understand yep. what you're saying. At yeah. the same time, that's why for me, I would, I would, I wanted him around, but I wish I wanted him to stay in. And I forget the, the specific name of their their military force, but I wanted him to stay around in that way. Yeah, I think it's like the Andorian Imperial Guard, and yeah. just just, yeah. just to be clear, I like all the actors who are on Enterprise. Yeah. I've seen them in yeah. other things. I think it's the characters mm-hmm. that I just don't connect. With. Oh, I can see that. I can see that. Deep, uh, TNG had that problem sometimes mm-hmm. too. Actually, that's true. Um, <clears throat> Steve Fowler hey, says. Steve? Hopefully not repeating a topic, but what do you think of chances are of getting Combs on one of the new track shows? Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, he was on one of the new track shows a couple of times yeah. in lower decks when he played yeah. Agimus, the megalomaniacal <laughs> computer. <laughs> oh my God. He's so yeah. fabulous in that role. Yes. He is yeah. so good. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't so get him on screen, but no. we got his voice and yeah, that's Which is almost the same. It, it, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> a, it's a fantastic role because Agamus for being a megalomaniacal computer has a really nice, interesting arc. I mean, he was only yeah. in two episodes, yeah. but I mean, he goes through quite a character arc over those two episodes. Yeah. Elaine agrees with Chuck saying there would be a lot of butting heads between Trip and Shran, which I think that would be fabulous. Yeah. Yes. I think that and I heal first before you butt his head because it <laughs> seems painful. <laughs> oh dear. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think I think one of the things about um, Shran's character on Enterprise, which I did, one thing I do think Enterprise did a, a surprisingly good job of was was building out the the primary races that mm-hmm. became the Federation, the Vulcans. Uh, a lot of people hate the Vulcan arc. I love the Vulcan arc in Enterprise, but the um, even the Tellarites, the Andorians, and one of the things I remember is in this original series episode, Journey to Babel, when they met the Andorians. 
Mm-hmm. The Andorian ambassador was really cool. He was almost like a version of Paul. He had an interesting accent. He was very calm. And I remember when they thought that an Andorian had committed the uh, murder attempt on Kirk, the ambassador said to Spock, he said, my people are a violent race, but we have no quarrel with your captain. And the interesting thing about it was the guy was kind of cool. You know, he was, mm-hmm. he was, he was, he was cool. He was respectable. And what I like about the Andorians is they didn't make them a Klingon violent race. You can tell the, the Andorians, they're a hot blooded race as it were, but they're not violent like Klingons. And I think he played that really well, you know, kind of the suppressed anger. He could be violent when he needed to be, but they're, they're, they're big on love. They love passionately when they, you know, going to have mates. And I think that he helped, established the Andorians as a different race. They had unique characteristics that I think worked and that was great. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Andorian ambassador on the, on the original series wasn't boisterous or anything, but I think right. it's, it's a different sort of chilling when someone says to you in a very like calm voice, yes. a very violent person. Yes. <laughs> you know I mean? and you're like, Whoa. <laughs> you're also kind of creepy, you know, um, I think that sort of played into the way Sean played him. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say that it's funny that y'all keep describing that guy as cool and chilling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. The thing that I really enjoyed about Enterprise is that, you know, every series after the original took an established race and fleshed them out in a really interesting and deep way, like the Klingons on Next Gen and the Ferengi on DS9 and things like that. And the thing that I love about Enterprise is the way that they did that with the Andorians and the way that you got, they're not just, you know, like a race that we saw a couple of times, they become, uh, they become characters in in their own right, where you understand their society more, you understand the Andorian mindset more. And, Mm -hmm. and I, that's one of the things that I love about any Star Trek show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly, the Andorians were, I loved it. The Andorians were used to show that the Vulcans are not, as honorable and perfect as they would have you think. Right. Because yeah. <laughs> the Vulcans were downright dirty a lot in that series. Right. Absolutely. Um, and going back to what you know, Steve's uh, suggestion about you know whether mm-hmm. Combs would play another role on Star Trek, and presuming mm-hmm. he means live action. Yeah. I mean, there was yeah, a little fan so. campaign before Strange New Worlds that fans wanted him to play Dr. Boyce, uh, who was a yes. character in the cage who didn't make it That's to right. Strange New Worlds. But I there was totally a fan see that. campaign for that. Yeah, I would. He could still do that. Actually, yes, I mean, boys absolutely. could still be out there in retirement or something, playing golf. Who knows? Uh, but you can still have <laughs> Jeffrey Combs come back as Boyce, and I think that would be a wonderful use for him. I would love action Star Trek. Yeah, I would love that. Mm-hmm. He now says, Steve, this is now says, haven't gotten into Lower Decks, although I have started it. I know you all give me new reasons to catch up on all these shows based. <laughs> Uh, on how enthusiastic you are about it. I promise I'll get there. Yeah. Well, you know what? Keep reporting in and let us know your progress because (laughs) I always love, you know, people who find these shows, you know, and, and, you know, on the rare occasion that they find these shows through our podcast, I love hearing Mm -hmm. that you are are taking the journey because of our enthusiasm. And I'm, you know, we, freaking love lower decks yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, it's a little bit of a stylistic adjustment to get accustomed to it moves yeah, a little faster it's a little is. jokier than what you're accustomed to with star trek but i mean I'm, I'm wearing a lower decks shirt at this very moment we actually yeah. we, we have i'm not joking a lower deck shirt 
for every single Lower Decks episode that has come out. Plus some. Plus the crossovers, <laughs> plus the bonus episodes, because we've subscribed to the Lower Decks t-shirt club every year so far. We have every Lower Decks uh, official t-shirt for all the episodes. Including a Moopsie. Yeah, it is my favorite of the new Star Trek shows, and I enjoy all the new Star Trek shows from one degree to another. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's it's really impressive what they have done on Lower Decks for what yeah. that show could have been. Um I mean, they have, they continually take it to levels that I didn't think that they would with the storytelling, and mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah, genuinely here. fantastic Star Trek series. Yeah, and Steve, between all of us, you can find one of us who loves one of the series more than the others. I don't <laughs> think any of us absolutely hate any of the series, so you can have just. I think even the ones that we all don't love, like some of the stuff with Picard, I think we all kind of sort of agree on. But yeah, you can you can go to anybody. Like, don't talk to Chuck about Enterprise. Talk to me and Alan. Unless you want the truth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, our, our lower Ooh, decks reviews are words. our lower decks reviews are tough because it's a lot of us just repeating what they said on lower decks and then laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's true. and it's also a lot of us agreeing about everything. That's true. Right. Well, that going doesn't back, make for good right. podcast. That's true. <laughs> Going back to Enterprise, um, I mean, uh, Jeffrey Combs played a second character on Enterprise that we've not talked about yet. He also played a Ferengi. I was, yeah, I meant to bring that up earlier, and then we got off on to Agamus. Right. He played Krim, an acquisition, which was a very different Ferengi from Brunt. Yeah. 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 And, And he has said in interviews that that was a challenge. Because the makeup was so similar that his his senses are telling him that he's playing Brunt, <laughs> but he's not. I mean, Krim is a very different character from Brunt, and I thought that that was a really good performance from him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he I, mean, I can tell it was episode. him because of his voice. He has a very distinctive voice. Yeah, yeah. You, but once you've watched enough Jeffrey Combs, you recognize Jeffrey Combs, <laughs> <laughs> right? And we can't forget his one appearance on Voyager either mm-hmm. in the episode True. Tsunkasi. Right? It, it wasn't that. You know, important. I have role. no memory of that. No, it's it's fun that both he and JG are in that episode. I know. You know I that. Know. Um, I mean, be, that 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 episode is really more notable because the Rock shows up in it. But um, it's, it's that episode, Veronica. Oh, yeah. Okay, I have a vague memory of the Rock being in an episode. Yeah, those are those are <laughs> trying to get wrestling fans to watch Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can skip it. You won't miss anything. <laughs> Right, <laughs> but that was when that was when UPN was was like doing big wrestling things, yeah. and that was like kind of a crossover between our wrestling franchise and you know our yeah. entry into the Trek franchise. Yeah, that was the same time period when the Sci-Fi Channel was getting big into wrestling. Like you couldn't get away from yeah. it. Oh, God. And there's not. wrestling yes. at Dragon Con. Okay, there. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, TV, I couldn't get away from in the late nineties. <laughs> yeah, so, wrestling I mean, maybe. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, if, if Jeffrey Combs came back again, I mean, do you, what other roles might you, like, like if he was going to be on Discovery, I mean, what would you want right. to see him play? Um, it would be a completely different character or a different performance. Well, and it's also kind of cliche to have him be a mad, yet another mad scientist, but I would love to see him play early Dr. Tristan Adams from Dagger of the Mind. Oh, that For those oh who don't gosh. remember... That was the episode where they, they went to the last penal, uh, last mental, last place in the uni- in the galaxy for people who are mentally. Uh, no, that's that's a different one. Sorry, I take that back. <laughs> but it's the episode where the dude had a chair, 
a, a room with a chair, a light above the chair that could basically mm -hmm. calm your mind. And it turned out he mm -hmm. was a psycho mad scientist who was yeah. torturing and programming people. Right. Yep. And dagger of the mind. Yeah. That's a good yeah. episode. It yeah, is. That's good. Yeah. Oh man. That's such an interesting question. Hmm. Yeah. So I who think, do you think? Well, this isn't a wholly original idea, but um, Jeffrey Combs, they, they've, they've, they've asked people have asked him before, like if he could come back as way in oh. because uh -huh. all the way are dead. And right. Jeffrey Combs said, you think Wayun's not the kind of guy who had a clone stash somewhere? Yeah. Of course. So oh, yeah. Playing off of that, I think that you could do a story like in the 25th century yeah. and kind of like um, the way there were Nazis like hiding out in South America and Argentina yeah. and stuff. Like after World War II, 20 years on, I think you could find a Wayun clone who woke up and found out the war was over and has tried to like hide. And then you've got Worf hunting down these, um, you know, Vorta mm. clones that are out there and you could do a really dramatic story with a Wayun who's tried to move on and you know a wharf out for revenge that's my idea for you. oh my god so the the spinoff that we have all like clamored for with uh wharf and, and rafi holy yeah. and then they're hunting down Wayuns. oh my god let's <laughs> do it right that's brilliant <laughs> Yeah, I'm me. so excited now for this show. Like that's going to happen. Enterprise G now. Yes. Boo. Yeah, no. I want her more to go off adventuring. True. No spoilers, but along the lines of what you're saying, Charles, there was an episode of Deep Space Nine where one of the Wayun clones was not on board with the Dominion mm. and the war and basically being evil, and that mm. Wayun did not like what they were doing. He was basically the one that was good, quote unquote, good with a conscience. Mm -hmm. So that was, I think, what your point about having a later Wayun that maybe just moves past would be very interesting because they did that. And that was actually a very effective episode as well. Mm -hmm. Was that was that Wayun Six Treachery Faith in the Great River? I, I, I'm not good with DS9 titles. I don't remember. I'm, which I'm one looking it at was. a picture of maybe it right now with poetic. when it's Wayun Six was only in one episode. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that probably him. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the one. Chances are. <laughs> Well, okay. Wayun is a good illustration of what I always talk about. The the one of the problems I have with modern Star Trek is that they they finish with the bad guys and then they kill them. Yeah, and often yeah. just when they start to turn interesting, they kill yeah. them. Whereas, yeah. I mean, Wayun they killed them right away, but then they realized their mistake. But the fact that they brought him back and brought him back and brought him back that you have to come up with more interesting things for him to do. And I mean, part of that was like you know finding out that they they have no appreciation for beauty and things yeah. like that. You know right. that. Um, and you, he seems kind of sad about that, that, yeah. you yes. know, that he wants to know, like, is that a pretty painting? Like, I, I, I can't tell, you know what I mean? And, and things like that. I think that was added a really interesting dynamic to that character that you can't do in an episode. You can only do by bringing these characters back and back and back. And I wish they would do more of that on the new Star Trek shows. Agreed. And that's why when we opened the episode, our show tonight, that was why I picked that quote. Mm. Major, do you think that this painting would be more aesthetically pleasing if it were blue? Because it's such a fascinating detail because they are genetically engineered beings. The founders created them to be a particular way. And the founders did not include aesthetic sense mm -hmm. because it's not important to the, the Vorta's role in Dominion. That's the word I was trying right. to think of. And I think that's such an interesting detail. And I think that they, you know, it, it could have just been a thrown away, a throwaway line, but instead they really did something with it. And he played it in that way where it's like, he kind of feels regretful that he can't enjoy these things, mm -hmm. you know, but yeah, at the end of the day, it, it's not important because the founders deemed it to not be important. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, or he'll go on about how great the founders are and how how perfect they are and they're never wrong. And then followed yeah. up with, but it, sometimes I think it might be nice to be able to carry a tune. Yes, That's the one you know? I remember. There yeah. is that like, wistfulness to him. Yes. You oh don't, you don't question your gods. Episodes. But, yeah. And I, and also I find it very interesting what you guys are saying about that because the, the backstory of his people, if I remember correctly, his people were an arboreal, perhaps like a, I don't know, a gibbon or lemur type race. And they said years ago, thousands of years ago, one of his people, which were not even sentient yet, saved the founder who was in distress. And the founder promised that they would reward his people. And that's the reward to turn them into a genetically engineered slave race. Right. <laughs> that carries out their bidding. You can be our top slaves forever. <laughs> right. Hey, at least yeah. they're not at least they're not addicted to Ketracel White. That's at least true. they're in charge of distributing it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, interesting thing about the Vorta is they also engineered them to be immune to any known poisons because they're basically well, diplomats, but you know, they're the kind of diplomats that are gonna get stabbed or stab somebody in the right. back or poison. So they're immune to any poisons and they have what did he say? Weak eye weak eyesight, excellent mm-hmm. hearing. So they can eavesdrop on anybody and you yeah. can't poison them, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And that ties in really well with the look because they have those larger ears and mm-hmm. pale eyes. Mm-hmm. So when he says they have you know better hearing and, and poor you, you believe that just by looking at him. That's yeah. that's right. a really good combination of the story mm-hmm. and the makeup and yeah they're they're diplomats for folks who are not liked in the galaxy so you have to be uh prepared to die not only are they immune to poisons and stuff but they keep backups so when they die there's mm-hmm. another one of them ready to go yeah back to the topic of who jeffrey combs might play were he in one of the modern trek shows okay i know that he there there's going to be a bit of a an age discrepancy in between the, these two characters, if he were to do this, mm-hmm. but you know, from my memory from the original series, there was a little bit of an age difference anyway, but what if he came back to play Roger Corby? Mm. Yeah. Roger Corby did have silver hair. Yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I bet Jeffrey Combs would be perfectly happy to come back and play romantic Absolutely. scenes in chapel. Absolutely. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let me get a couple of comments. One about um, all of us agreeing on stuff. Matt Sweatman says, everybody hates very short tracks. That's true. That's that's one true. fire in the Star Trek universe now. (laughs) That's true, Matt. Good point. Good call. And Wayne says that he seconds the Wayoon hunt. Yay. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. We're just a couple of steps away from an actual pitch to Paramount. (laughs) Right. Our, our petition has three signatures. We're on our way. <laughs> no, we have three four. very meaningful ones. We have no, we have five. Okay. The four of us in Wayne. There you go. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's fantastic for an actor like him. There's a lot, like someone said before, there's a lot of actors who were going around doing jobbing guest starring on various yeah. TV shows back when all TV shows had 20 plus episodes yeah. and there were just like factories right. producing content mm-hmm. i mean and th- that you'd go show to show to show to show to show but for him to have found something that really pops the way this does and that fans he, he's he's got fans now from guest appearances in the 90s which is is pretty yeah. impressive i mean there's, there's not a lot of guys who had a multiple guest star stint on hill street blues who now have fans posting memes about him and stuff it's just <laughs> yeah. it's not that kind of a show but the fact that right. star trek fans do hold on to that stuff and he still gets work based on it I and mean, that and reanimator because reanimators is mm-hmm. a cult classic but i mean that he i mean 
he he will always show up as long as he's willing to do it on sci-fi and horror properties because of Star Trek and Reanimator. Um, and I mean, fans just love to see him, and fans would love to see more of him in live action Star Trek. So I wish that they would bring him back again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing I always found I always found so fascinating about actors like that, and I have to put Andrew Robinson in the same category as Veronica mentioned the the Shuttle Pod podcast earlier, and I think I've listened to both of them interviewed on the Shuttle Pod podcast. And I think Jeffrey Combs was also interviewed on the Delta Flyers when when the strike was going on. They couldn't talk about the series, so they started interviewing track actors. And you're always struck by people like him. He is such a nice guy, and mm-hmm. he's such a cultured and personable guy. And of course, you sometimes people do a role and they do roles so well that you wonder if they're going to be kind of creepy in real life. And both he and Andrew Robinson are nothing like those characters. They're just such incredibly good actors. Um, he kind of ruined the Vorta for anybody else. Anybody else who did a different type of Vorta, they worked, but it wasn't Wei Yun. Mm-hmm. And that's it. he just made that that race his own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were he there were some other Vorta characters. Yeah, there were other Vorta characters though, that I thought were yeah. equally good. Yeah, I was thought it? there were several that were very good. But yeah, I mean he yeah. he he steals the show as of yeah. yeah he totally. steals the show in general, right? Yeah, he did. <laughs> anybody, anybody who could stand toe to toe with Avery Brooks and make the scene pop is a good actor because he that is. is the truth. Yeah, particularly being a physically smaller person. <laughs> yeah, yes. you know, I mean, to, to go toe to toe with Avery Brooks on screen, I mean, at least Mark Alamo is a big, tall guy and yeah. with scary makeup on. You know, but right. Jeffrey Combs is a smaller guy with softer makeup, and I think he owns the yeah. screen just as much as anybody else on that show does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there are some scenes and we're going to have to get into this in a little more detail at another time. But there are some scenes in particularly in uh, seasons six and seven of DS9 that he is just amazing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and but every actor in the scene is amazing. And it's just yeah. I mean, DS9 is one of the best cast shows I have ever seen. I mean. Even the 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 recurring and what you think are the less important roles are given such good actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and they couple DS9 developed into a show that wasn't afraid to hand the show over to guest stars and recurring mm-hmm. characters. Yeah. You yes. know, you don't have to yes. have Avery Brooks centered in every episode. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. he could be gone for a whole episode. And I mean, he, you still feel his presence. But I mean, it's it takes a lot for a show when you you're already paying seven or eight people full-time salaries to be cast members and then say, well, let's let, let's let Aaron Eisenberg take this one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. We'll, play an, we'll play another guy to come in, right? you know, or Jeffrey Combs, they would give him big, nice, meaningful scenes. And during that occupation arc in season six, there were whole sequences where it was just guest art. You forget guest cast. who the main yes. cast is. Yes, exactly. Oh my God. I get so excited about season six and seven. <laughs> I know. Um, Matt Sweatman says that Iggy Pop was an interesting Vorta. That's one of the ones I was thinking of. He yeah, was he, he was. That's a word. That's a word. That is a word. Yeah. And uh, Wayne says character actors like Combs are worth their weight in gold. He, in my opinion, has never missed the mark in his performances. Mm-hmm. I agree, Wayne. He's one of those people. He brings he he brings his game to whatever it is, even if he yeah. thinks the movie is not good. He brings his game to it, and that, and that elevates everything he's in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, he's a total pro. Yeah, yeah, and kudos to the producers for recognizing that and bringing him back. Yeah. Because you mm-hmm. could have, I mean, you could have had someone with the attitude to put anybody under that makeup, you know, um, but That's they true. knew that he was going to deliver, and they were, not, they were not afraid to keep, continue bringing him back role after role after role. Yeah. yeah. 
One of my favorite lines he did was a completely throwaway line. It's a slight spoiler, but it's when the station is occupied and Jake is uh, Jake Sisko is a reporter. And it turns out, this is a spoiler, <laughs> it turns out Jake's writing all these articles about the occupation. And it turns out Wayun has basically held all his articles and he's not sending them out because he says Jake is, has, Jake is basically presenting it wrong. And Jake goes, what about the occupation? And he's, again, he's so smarmy and calm. He's, See, that's what I'm saying, Jake. You call yeah. it an occupation. It's not an occupation. And then Jake blurts out, well, what about freedom of the press? And he goes, tell me you're not that naive. Yes. <laughs> that's a great line. I <laughs> love that. exactly where this was going because he started laughing as Keith was talking. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's just a perfect, perfect line there. Yeah. Yes. I thought he was going to say something different. So oh. here's my favorite one. It is completely mm-hmm. different. It is almost completely out of context. The scene is... The, the end of, se- of the sixth episode in season six, and they've been occupying the station this whole time, and the Federation is going to come and reclaim it. And they're like, it's so tense, and it's so, like, emergency. And they're like, oh, my God, the Federation is coming. We've got to get out of here. And and uh, Wayun goes, well, time to pack. That's it. That's a great one. <laughs> yep, and he has a little clap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, yeah, I love fantastic. that so much. Glad. Yeah, he's he's great. I mean, I mean, surely no one turned into this episode thinking we were all going to trash on Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> we, we're all unanimously agreed that Jeffrey Combs is awesome. But yeah, I want to thank Matt Sweatman for suggesting this yes. topic. Mm-hmm. And if you're out there, like I said, if you've got a great topic suggestion um, or a comment on a topic we've already done, 307-387-1701. And you can leave a voicemail message that we'll play on the show, uh, assuming everything is appropriate and you keep it brief but <laughs> or you can email us at earthstationtrek at gmail.com or join our facebook group earth station trek and comment uh, we'd love to hear from everybody and we'd love to get more topic suggestions we've got i mean another month and uh three weeks uh, at least maybe two months before discovery comes back so we've got a lot yeah. of time to fill talking about legacy trek so i mean hit us up with some topics and we're we're happy to dive into them yeah one of the things that we used to do on a regular basis was a question of the week, which we right. would always get from listeners. So mm-hmm. I would love to get those in yeah. a voice message. So call that phone line and leave us a question of the week, something short, something pithy, something funny, something introspective, anything you want. Mm-hmm. And we'll do a little round table answer of your question live on the show. Mm-hmm. And yeah, again, guys, give us, give us ideas or next week. It'll be a deep dive on Mr. Leslie. <laughs> yeah, and again, that's the number is 307-387-1701. All right. Okay, I have I have one thing to add. Okay. There were eight Wayunes, because the last Wayun was mm-hmm. Wayun eight. And yep. eight is my favorite number. And Jeffrey Combs is my favorite character actor in Star Trek. So there. All right. And all today's connected. February the 8th. All connected. See, it's all connected. All connected. Mind blown. The magic of the number eight. And I have eight fingers. <laughs> oh dear. At least. At least. Yeah. At least. <laughs> well, no, actually, you have eight fingers and two thumbs. True. Ooh. Oh, okay. Now it's getting spooky. <laughs> now mind blown. <laughs> all right, Alan. Where can people find more of you on the internet? Well, um, cosmiccreative.com, K-O-Z-M-I-C creative.com. From there, you can get to the books that I've written and published by other authors and two other podcasts that I do. One of them is Doctor Who A to Z, and we have an episode coming out tomorrow all about 
the caves of Androzani. And it is one of the best discussions that we've ever had on our show. And so everybody should go listen to it. And the other one is modern musicology. We have an episode coming out this week, looking back 50 years at the albums of 1974. And next week's episode is going to be a reaction to this year's Grammy performance. Mm. So check those out. And you were out last week. Did we ever mention that Veronica and I were guests on that show just recently? (gasps) Were you? We were. Wow. Amazing. (laughs) So we did did an episode talking about our favorite covers of Beatles songs. Mm -hmm. And Veronica and Chuck were on our show talking about that. And it was a great episode. Go listen to that episode. And there's a Spotify playlist that goes along with it. So you can listen to almost every song that we talked about because there are a few that aren't on spotify and thanks to veronica the first like three songs on the playlist are by mickey dolans <laughs> also yeah, thanks christmas to veronica songs. i was gonna say also thanks to veronica we have christmas songs in, in this yeah playlist <laughs> all right keith where can people find more of you on the internet you can find me on x and facebook primarily the eso network facebook groups and how about us veronica feltnerdy.com which is a website now. A website now. What? It doesn't redirect you to our Facebook page anymore. <laughs> Amazing. Yep. And if you're in the Atlanta area, or even if you're not, uh, tickets are now on sale for the Felt Nerdy and Dirty Show, which debuts at the Red Light Cafe on February the 25th. Uh, if you're not local, or if you're not available, or if you don't want to come to a Dirty Puppet Show, um, Wear it. <laughs> give us a like, give us a share. That helps us out tremendously. This is the biggest show we've ever put on on our own. This is an actual ticketed event where we're headlining and performing the whole show at a venue, not at a convention or or appearing at someone else's show. So anything you can do to like or share or get the word out is great. Or if you want to buy a ticket, buy a ticket. Buy a ticket. We're really hoping it's not us and three people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, we're excited about that. You can follow that online at the Felt Nerdy and Dirty Show on Facebook, um, which is facebook.com slash felt nerdy and dirty or you go to the red light cafe and they've listed it as one of their events and you can buy uh tickets there um or you know tell a friend you know go go see a dirty nerdy puppet show bring a friend you come and bring a friend too right or five right or five (laughs) and it is very much adult only yes yes 18 plus please recommend 21 plus (laughs) right it's puppets but don't bring your kids (laughs) right yes and where else can people find us veronica Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. Yep, and we just recently had an interview with um, Andrew Sandoval, who is probably the foremost monkeys archivist alive. I mean, he wrote the monkeys day-by-day story, which tracks what the monkeys were doing basically every day through the 60s, like day-by-day what they were doing by their schedule. Um, Most recently, he has edited Mickey Dolan's new book, The Mickey Dolan's Archive. Um, But He's been a producer for the monkeys. He's been a road manager for the monkeys. He's been... Uh, their archivist he handles their anyways we got him on our show and we <laughs> had a great conversation he has some great stories yeah um i had to sort of skip from when he was 18 to present day so we <laughs> there until 2 a.m uh, because he's got some great stories about other bands and things like that so yeah. you know, check out the monkeying around you can find it at monkeyingaround.com or on your favorite podcast platform awesome and you have a closing for us veronica Runt FCA. Hey, I'm no, about to my gosh. <laughs> Literally anything Jeffrey Combs ever said. <laughs> all right. Join us next Thanks week. So. We, we go live on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern talking about Star Trek. You can find us on Facebook or YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. 
Take care, y'all. See you Thanks next all. week. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.